you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to join me in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. I have already referenced that it's a busy season. I grasp that. In fact, this moment in time may be looked at as something else that we have to do. But what we are reminded of this morning is the extravagance of Christmas. When I say that, perhaps we're confused. But in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, something is declared about Jesus Christ. We read this, and she, speaking of Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, grasp this, for he shall save his people from their sins. At the onset of the Christmas story, we grasp that the manger and the cross are linked. When we think of Christmas, no doubt we think of extravagance, but no greater gift, no more extravagant display of love and giving has ever been carried out than that by God and His only begotten Son. In 1926, and several of you were alive back then, how many of you were around in 1926? Any 97-year-olds here this morning? None? Yeah, me too. In 1926, the Neiman Marcus Company started publishing an annual catalog of unusual Christmas gifts. For several years, the publication attracted very little attention. Then, in 1959, and perhaps a few more of you were around then, in 1959, they decided to generate publicity with eye-popping gifts for, quote-unquote, the person who has everything. In order to attract attention that year, they offered in their catalog a black Angus steer which could be delivered to your home either on the hoof or in stakes with a silver-plated outdoor cooker. Each year since, they have gotten more and more extravagant with their gifts. Some of you might now be thinking, I really have to have an idea for one more person on my list. Let me help you with this. In fact, for a mere $510,000 this year, you can order a Disney animation experience. For $510,000, an animated character of you or your designated guest will be brought to life by the talented artists at Disney Animation Studios. After they work their magic, the catalog says, you'll receive a digital copy of your personalized character's cameo in a special animated short video. Now you're scratching your head and you're thinking to yourself, no, pastor, I love you. I want to go deeper than half a million dollars. Well, here, for $975,000, you can order a -a one-of-a-kind Cadillac Carmen Celestique. A -a one-of-a-kind car. In fact, for $975,000, you and a friend can go to Detroit. Let that sink in for just a second. For a million bucks, you can go to Detroit. Doesn't that sound like a great plan? Where you will go behind the scenes and you'll get a hand-built automobile. You'll be a part of the engineering and the production process. A million-dollar car, you say, okay, a million's a little far. 510000 isn't what I was thinking for the animation experience. For the more budget-conscious, there is a yachting treasure hunt in Indonesia for $485,000. 
You'll be flown into Bali, and for nine days, you'll cruise around on this yacht. At the very end, you'll end up in a secluded cove with a candlelit dinner. A message in a bottle will arrive, and you'll have a little treasure hunting experience. I actually think this is a good deal because it comes with a $150,000 voucher for you to fill your treasure chest with exquisite Neiman Marcus jewelry. I can assure you one thing. Those are probably better gifts than anyone that you'll be opening eight days from now. I can certainly tell you that those are better gifts than you will be opening if it's one that I'm giving you because I'm not spending that kind of money on you. But I also know for a fact, no matter how good a gift giver you may be, no matter the level of sacrifice you or I will ever reach to see someone smile on Christmas, it falls short of the greatest gift ever given, as I have already referenced, the coming of Jesus Christ who arrived on this earth to save his people from their sin. You cannot enjoy the Christmas story with not also arriving at the violence of the cross. You cannot see the Christmas story in the manger scene with not also seeing the empty tomb at the end of all of this. The fact is, the manger and the cross are connected. It is at its heart, ultimately, a story of sacrifice. John Donne, in his Christmas Day sermon back in 1626, said this, Christ's birth and his death were but one continual act, and his Christmas Day and his Good Friday are but the evening and morning of the one and the same day. The sacrifice of Christmas is how Christ can offer to us eternal life. The sacrifice of Christmas is genuinely the heart of Christmas. Oftentimes we try to drum up the Christmas spirit. We try to arrive at some level of generosity. We try to fake some level of enjoyment. We speak of the spirit of Christmas. And I think it's probably better said the heart of Christmas is scripturally founded and you cannot escape that the heart of the Christmas story is sacrifice. In fact, as you study the Bible from the very beginning pages all the way through, sacrifice is a theme throughout Scripture. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, the first possible mention of sacrifice in the Bible is when God would cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve with a coat of skin. The Bible says unto Adam also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Now, God, in his infinite wisdom, could have used something else. After all, Adam and Eve had used leaves, but he chose to use this animal's coat of skin. Now, I know that in Genesis 3, there's no specific mention of atonement. Nor is there a mention here of sin or the like wrapped up in it, but it is definitely a covering that involves the death of another creature. It prefigures, as it were, the sacrifices throughout Scripture that are yet to be unpacked. When you arrive in the law of Moses, you're introduced to much more. In fact, in Exodus chapter 12, we see the Passover. The children of Israel are being freed from their bondage in Egypt and God mandates that they sacrifice this Passover lamb. 
That they take the blood of this Passover lamb and they put it on the posts and on the head of the door. And when the angel passes by and sees the blood on the door, the angel will pass over. And each year, this would be remembered. There is, of course, prescribed in the book of Leviticus, the Day of Atonement, many sacrifices on the Day of Atonement, the normal morning and evening sacrifices, and then the high priest would have to sacrifice a bull for his sins. He'd have to ceremonially cleanse himself. There was the sacrifice of the goat, and the goat that was chosen to head off into the wilderness, depicting the dismissal of the sins of the people. Imagine all of the bloodshed, imagine all of the sacrifices that were wrapped up in that legal system for the Jews. Of course, there is all the prophetic language about the Lord Jesus Christ pointing to the great sacrifice, perhaps none more familiar than Isaiah 53, but he, speaking of Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, and yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. If we had the time to just begin at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 and arrive at the Christmas story, we would not be able to avoid the depiction of sacrifice. It's all through Scripture pointing to Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews is going to cause us to see Christ's shed blood on the cross as a necessary sacrifice on our behalf. Addressing those wrapped up in Judaism, he's going to clarify their thinking. And this is a bit of an extended passage of Scripture, but I want you to listen because it's the core of the message. It declares unto us the heart of Christmas. In Hebrews 10, we read of the law, the law having a shadow of good things to come. Not the very image of the things can never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually make the comers thereunto perfect. He's saying the law used an object lesson. The sacrifices that we saw, that we carried out, that we read of, they were a depiction of that which is to come. But those sacrifices which were carried out year by year could never actually make the sinner perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshipers, once purged, should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there's a remembrance, again, made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, that's the Christmas story. He saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. 
He taketh away the first that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ and these three beautiful, powerful words once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Though that is a prolonged passage of Scripture, it is a declaration of the good news of the Christmas story. It seals and delivers unto us the reality that the heart of the Christmas story is one of sacrifice. Let me draw to a close by pointing out that Peter stresses that Jesus Christ on the cross was sacrificed for our sins when he writes in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. It's very pointed, very specific language. His own self, his own body. There is no sacrifice for sin outside of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that can save you but the blood of Jesus Christ. That is why He came. That is why He was born. That is why He lived. That is why He died. It is intriguing to me at the same time that Peter will say Jesus went to the cross as our sacrifice, that he will also say it was an example, for he writes in 1 Peter 2.21, even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. He is not saying that we have divinity within us. He is not saying that our death has the capacity to cleanse us. He is merely saying unto us what Jesus taught his disciples when he said in Matthew 16, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What Jesus is teaching ultimately is a life of a believer, is a life of sacrifice, then as now at the heart of Christmas is sacrifice. Jesus is plainly saying that those who seek to have life on their own terms will lose it. Those who are prepared to sacrifice even their own lives for his sake will find it. Taking up the cross. Death to self-interest is far from our mind at Christmas. It is an indulgent season. It is a season where we find joy in indulging others Ultimately, though, we miss the point when we see it as such, for it is sacrifice. Sacrifice is the basis of the Christmas story. Sacrifice is the basis of our salvation. Sacrifice is the basis of discipleship. Sacrifice, one wrote, is an important word to remember. Because you have to look in the manger and know that baby came to do one thing. He came to die. Everything in his life would be marked by sacrifice. Think of the body of the baby Jesus being made uncomfortable by the ends of pieces of straw. Even that was a sacrifice that God was willing in the person of his son to endure. Every day was sacrifice leading to the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. If you see this merely as a season of busyness or indulgence, you and I miss it. It's sacrifice. Jesus made the supreme sacrifice to redeem us, to save us from our sins, to restore a right relationship with God the Father. 
He gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a servant. He was born as a human being. He humbled himself in obedience to God. I can say this year as you spend Christmas with friends and with family, remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. Remember and never veer too far from the fact that daily you must take up your cross and sacrifice. When you give an extravagant gift, remember sacrifice and the most extravagant sacrificial gift ever given. Noel, that term means good news. The good news isn't something that will happen this week. The good news isn't something under the tree or something that will arrive on your porch. The good news is ancient, and it's a story of sacrifice. Would you please bow your heads with me for just a moment? Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.